quite a long reading today, so if you can stand with me, please. Exodus chapter 12. God's plan for a New Year's celebration. Exodus 12, we'll read the verses 1 through 14. I got to tell you, every time I read this story, I think, well, what a story. But then I think, what a God. Exodus 12, 1 through 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, that shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Verse 4. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls, every man according to his eating, you shall make count, your count, for the lamb. Let me stop for just a moment. If the household be too little for the lamb, the lamb was never too little for the household, though. Never. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the Puritans thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. 
And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and we don't have the words to express it enough. But I pray God will allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts, the Word of God come alive, for your words, they are spirit and truth. And I pray, Lord, when we leave this place, we'll know we have met with God in a special way at a special time. And we'll give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. For those who attend Sunday school, I've always opened our class before we pray with what a joy it is to be in the Lord's house. And I want to tell you something. Anytime we can gather together to joy, it's always a joy to be in the Lord's house, to gather together with people of like faith and to worship our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But here we are today, closing out one year, And about to begin a brand new year. And unless I miss my guess, most of us have at least done a little bit of personal reflection over our lives. Who we are, where we are, what we want to become or to be in the following year. Uh, Sister Irene Hall called me, I don't know, a week or so ago. And she says she never makes resolution, but she's making one this year. She said, I, I, my resolution is to stay as far away from doctors as I possibly can. <laughs> Irene, we will see how that works out, and we're praying that it does work out. Uh, last, a week ago, on Christmas Eve, I, I called Brother David Phillips, maybe you know him. And by the way, he did uh, remind me to tell you how much he loved you all. And appreciate what you've done for him. He is just about legally blind, not able, not able to drive. But anyway, Christmas Eve happened to be his birthday, and I, and I knew it. So I called him and uh, wished him happy birthday. And he told me, he said, uh, I'm not making a resolution for next year, but I am making a goal. And he just turned 80 a week ago. I said, what's your goal? To make it to 81. So I thought, that's a pretty good goal. So whether it's a resolution or a goal we make, we all do that. This morning our text is from Exodus chapter 12. It's a time in the history of the Jewish people. And God is working in order to make them a distinct people for himself. And here in chapter 12 of Exodus, God gives them some guidelines on how they are to to celebrate every new year. Think about that. So my first point this morning is whether the Jews and Christians, the new year should be a reminder of God's power and how God works. The power of God at work. I find it kind of interesting that the Jewish calendar is based on the power and the work of God. Think about that. If you read your Bible at all, especially in the Old Testament... Uh, and you begin to read some of the festivals and the months of the year that take place in, 
uh, those are kind of foreign to us. We never, we don't call them those things. And, and it didn't take long to find out that there's a difference between the Jewish calendar and the Gregorian calendar we're used to. There's quite a bit of difference. And, and, the, and of course, most of the world today does follow the Gregorian calendar. So tomorrow, being New Year's, January 1, 2024, on the Jewish calendar, it's not January 1, 2024, but on the Jewish calendar, it's the 29th day of Tevei, that's the 10th month, 5784. 29th day of Tevei, 5784. So what in the world does 5784 mean? Well, the Jewish calendar sees that as the date of the power of God's work bringing about the creation of this world, or at least the creation of man in the world. So the Jewish calendar says about 5,784 years ago, God created man. The calendar is based on the power and creative work of God. But tomorrow we're not going to get up and say, if we're not Jewish, we're not going to say, Tevei 29, We would say, January 1, 2024, in the year of our Lord. The Jews would say, Tevei 29, 5784, the year of our world. So for the Jews, their calendar was an occasion for rejoicing as they reflected on God's powerful work in creation. Almost 6,000 years ago. And while it's true that their calendar does reflect the power and work of God, here in chapter 12 of Exodus, we find there's a specific displaying of God's power that's going to mark a particular day that from that point on, the Jewish people would celebrate their new year. And so the Jewish Passover was to be a new enactment of the power and the work of God. Some 430 years before Exodus 12, God had brought them there to Egypt as guests. Years have gone by, and now the Jews are no longer guests, they're slaves. So after 430 years in Egypt, the time had come for God to do great things for the Jews. 
At the same time, he would bring judgment on the nation and the gods of Egypt. The time had come for God to deliver his people. And my friend, all, all of this was a part of God's plan to make them a special people for his possession. I'm really glad that God had a plan. Under the direction of Moses, they would be led out. But God had given Moses the command to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. If you know the story, the first encounter that between Pharaoh and Moses, when Moses told Pharaoh that, Pharaoh said, who is that God? Question you should have never asked. Before it was over, Pharaoh knew who that God was. If you're a student of the scriptures, you know the story of the ten plagues. The plagues that God had put on the nation of Egypt and their gods. But today, here in chapter 12, I want you to see a turning point in the history of the world. You see, in Noah's day, God had destroyed the world because of wickedness on the earth. And you have to read it carefully to, I think, otherwise you'll miss this important fact. Now, we see it played out years as the years went by. But immediately after the flood, God knew. In fact, immediately after the flood, wickedness still was going to persist in the families of this world. Genesis chapter 8, look at verse 21. The Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. Wow. God had sent a flood to purge the world. You know that only Noah, his family, his sons and their wives were saved. But right away, sin was still happening. And God says, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to purge the world from the presence of sinful people. But God says, what I am going to do, I am going to take one group of people I'm going to separate them to represent me on this earth. And through that group of people, I am going to send the Messiah. You see, God had a plan to fix our world. And he realized that he's not going to do it again by a flood. But now he's going to fix our world through a man. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 
And we see God's plan unfolding. And from before the foundation of the world, before man or sin was here in this world, God already had a plan, a plan that Messiah, his Messiah, would come and save the world from sin. Thank you, Jesus. And don't miss this fact that the deliverance from Egypt was a part of that plan as God is preparing for his Messiah to come. And as God was delivering them from Egypt, he was working to make a distinct people on this earth to bring about his salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And part of God's work was to make his own people know that there is a God. Exodus 10, verse 2. What things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know what? That I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. And whenever God displayed his miraculous power to bring them out of Egypt, that was part of his plan to accomplish the fact that he wanted his people to know there's only one God and God is God above all gods. God's plan was to set apart a people, a distinct people, to give glory to God and to share God to the rest of the world. Exodus 8, verse 23. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. So why did God choose the Jewish people? Why was Abraham to be the seed of the Jews? What was so special about the Jews? The truth is nothing. They weren't any smarter than anybody else. They had no other advantage than that. It was only by the providence of God that God chose them. God set them aside to be a special people to bless the world. Ultimately through Jesus Christ. So now this calendar, based on creation of the world is now also going to have a month based on the deliverance from Egypt. The Jewish Passover was to mark a new division of time. It was God himself who spoke to the Israelites that Passover, and he said to them, this is to be a new year for you. What a God. Exodus 12 Verse 1 and 2, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginnings of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. How many know when God does a work in our life, we get to start over? We get a fresh start. A brand new start. And the power of God was Work, working in the fact that it was delivering them from Egypt, and it was a it was a plan of God, part of that plan, making them a distinct people who would bless the entire world. Now, by the way, well, preacher, that's all well and good. And yes, if we were Jewish, we could rejoice because the Jewish calendar uh, reflects the. Uh, 
the work of God. But how many know that our calendar, the Gregorian calendar we use, is based on the work of God in this world through Jesus Christ? Now, understand something, folks. The calendar we use, the calendar you'll begin with tomorrow, New Year, is based on Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Folks, that's the truth. But we're living in a time when that truth is being rejected by our world. Think about that. I don't need to tell you that our world is corrupt and is wicked. And our world, and, and even in our culture in America today, they're trying to do their best to remove the influence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are changing our calendar, which for thousands of years has reflected the coming of Jesus Christ into our Lord. I haven't looked for the last couple of years, but when we had some halfway godly presidents on the National Day of Prayer, the president would always put a proclamation out declaring that day. And I can remember several years when we had some halfway godly presidents. They would send an official letter out and I would always go and get a copy of it off the internet and they would proclaim such a day for the National Day of Prayer that year. Usually around May the 4th, somewhere around there. And they would sign it by their name. And it always put, whatever date, April the 5th, A.D. 2019. And they would put on the, the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why would they do that? Because that's how our calendar was based. And just as the institution of Passover changed the Jewish calendar for the new year, when Jesus Christ came to our world, our calendar is based on that. So for years, well, how many remember when you read anything about our world? And they gave a date, they would include the words, the letter B.C. Anybody? What does that mean? Before Christ. And we know and we're familiar with the terms A.D. I'll explain that one in a moment. It doesn't have anything to do with, uh, doesn't mean after death. I thought it did for years, but it doesn't. But now the world is trying to replace A.D. with C.E. 
and B.C. with B.C.E. C.E. refers to the Common Era. Of course, B.C.E. is before the Common Era. Now, I, I know what they're trying to do. And I, I did some research on that because some people were offended because they referred to Christ. You know what I say to that? So what? Yeah. So what? It's the truth. But then I thought about that. And, and, and by the way, I will not use B, uh, BCE nor CE. I won't do that. But I thought about that. When did BCE end and BC, I'm sorry, uh, CE start? At the birth of Christ. That's when the common era began and before the common era. (laughs) But again, using those so they don't have to refer to Christ. And what's interesting is, for the past several centuries, almost the entire world used a calendar system that we use today that acknowledged the coming of God's Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. So whenever we consider that, well, 2024, more properly it should be A.D. 2024. And it should always remind us of the time when God sent His Son into this world. Now the term A.D. is an abbreviation for the Latin term Anno Domini. And it means in the year of our Lord. Now originally this would have been Anno Domini Nostri Jesu Christi which is in the year of our Lord, Jesus Christ. For centuries. Now, I know we're living in a time where most people don't write checks anymore. But when you do, there's always a date on there. We rarely write letters anymore. But if you date it, Reminder, when Christ came into our world. When you make an appointment for a doctor or whatever, and you write it on your calendar, a reminder that God's beloved Son came into our world to forgive us and redeem us from our sin. So we're entering a brand new year. And we can rejoice that even our calendar reflects the work and glory of God himself in this world. Thank you, Lord. Second of all, that new year was purchased with the blood of the Lamb. Think about that. 
God told the Israelites, or Moses told them after God told him, take some of that blood and take a branch of hyssop and take some of that blood and go to the top sides of your doors. Exodus 12, 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Now I realize that if we consider any kind of New Year celebration or tradition or custom, uh, that one certainly would seem very peculiar, even to the Jews at that time. A little strange. And yet it's clear that's exactly what God told the Jewish people to do as they celebrated that first Passover, if you will, in Egypt, on what would now become their New Year's Day. Now, I don't plan on adding that to my New Year's celebration or tradition. But God says, I want you to do that because what that is going to do, it's going to identify you as my distinct people. And can you imagine that as the years would go by, how powerful that reminder would be that every year when they slay that goat or lamb, a reminder they had been purchased by the blood of the lamb. And on that first night, there in Egypt, the blood of the Lamb would mean that when the destroyer came, he would pass over them rather than pass through them. Exodus 12, verse 12 and 13. Notice this, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I won't pass through you. I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. I look at that verses today and I'm reminded God didn't say if I smite the land of Egypt. What did he say? When I do it. And he says to the Jews, if you want to be saved, you need the blood. But the Bible reminds me that one day God is going to judge this world. And if we're going to survive that judgment, guess what we need? We need the blood of the Lamb. And can you imagine that first night? As all of these Israelites were celebrating or preparing to celebrate their new year. Egypt was filled with Cries and wails from people of Egypt 
as they mourned the death of the firstborn children, the firstborn sons. And the reason that happened is because they weren't under the blood. Now remember, and I believe the Bible implies it very strongly, no matter who was in that house, if that blood was applied, guess what? They were saved. And the Egypt would learn that night what it meant not to be under the blood of the Lamb. When the destroyer passed through them and passed over the Jews. Exodus 12, verse 29. Came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive that was in his dungeon, all the firstborn cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. I can't imagine, can you? You see, for the Jewish people, it was a great day of rejoicing. It was the first day of their new year. And they realized that God had passed over them instead of passing through them. And I will guarantee you, not only that year, but each year after that, when they celebrated their new year, it was a special time for the Jewish people. Every time they killed that lamb. They'd been purchased by the blood. They would never forget that. God had passed over them. If you're a student of the Scriptures, you realize that ultimately that blood sacrifice, that lamb, was a symbol of the Lamb of God that would come into our world. Thirteen hundred years after that first Passover, John the Baptist has come on the scene. We studied in Sunday school about John the Baptizer, and John introduced the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John one twenty nine. And then verse 35 and 36. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Verse 35. Again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Chapter two, 22 of Genesis, I don't have any verses on that, Alan. God told Abraham, Take your only son, Isaac. a mountain I'll show you, Mount Moriah. 
and offer him there for a sacrifice. If you know the story, Isaac had a question. And his main question was, Dad, where's the lamb? Beginning in Exodus 12, and for every year after that, on Passover, the Jews would ask, where's the lamb? In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist tells us, we don't need to look anymore. The Lamb of God is here. John says to the world, John the Baptist says to the world, one far greater than the Passover Lamb. Is here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And like I said, that particular day would be a turning point in world history. But that ancient Passover lamb in Exodus 12, only freed Jewish people from physical bondage in Egypt. But thank God the true Lamb of God frees all mankind, all who come to Him from the bondage of sin and from the snare of Satan. Thank God for the Lamb of God. And the sad thing is, as great as the offer that God makes to the human race, many from every generation have refused to accept the gift of the Lamb. John 1, verse 10 through 13. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world Knew him not. He came unto his own. That means his own creation. His own world. And his own, meaning his own people, the Jews, received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power, gave he power, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. How many are glad that God gave us that right? But those who would believe upon him, that we might become the sons of God, not because we have Jewish heritage, not because of our grandparents were Christians, nothing at all. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that offer. And it still stands today. Did you remember from the scriptures that one of the details of the cross and when Jesus died, 
The Bible says he died at 3 p.m. My initial reaction would be, so what? What does it matter? Now, most of us today, we either are wearing a, a wristwatch. Uh, some don't care a wristwatch. They got their phone. You know, they got somewhere to tell the time of the day. But why do they mention that? How would people know? But those who were there at the cross when Jesus died, those who were Jewish, they knew why that detail was important. And they knew when Jesus died, it was three o'clock. No wristwatches, no town clocks. But they knew it was 3 p.m. Well, how would they know that? This is Passover day. And remember the Pharisees didn't want to arrest Jesus during Passover. But you know what they forgot? They weren't in charge. God was. So here he is, it's Passover day. He's being crucified. And he dies at 3 o'clock. And the gospel writers tell us that. Why? On Passover, in Jerusalem, one of the priests would ascend to the the pinnacle of the temple. And they would carry a trumpet called a shofar. And at three o'clock, exactly, that priest would blow the ram's horn. And the reason they would blow it on that particular time, on that day at three o'clock, it was the exact time the priest would slit the throat of the lamb and offer that Passover lamb as a sacrifice to God. And just as that lamb was dying in the temple, the true lamb of God said, it is finished. And he died There on that cruel cross. And he did it for you and I. Somebody say thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. He did it for you and I. So as we begin a brand new year. Let's begin with a time of celebration. 
not just parties or get-togethers, not just a New Year's kiss, or not just watching the ball drop. Let's make our new year a celebration to the Lord. (laughs) He's the one who died for us that we might live for eternity. Let's make it a year of celebrating what God has done for us. And I believe that for you and I as Christians, our celebration ought to be much greater for us than the Jews was for them. Because every time we look at our calendar, we're reminded that approximately 2,024 years ago, God became flesh. He He became flesh. And He did that to demonstrate His love for us That it was enough to send his son to die in our place. So let me challenge you today. If you are a child of God, this new year ought to be a great time of celebration, a festival to God for what he's done in your life. It ought to be a time when our hearts are, are so filled with the right kind of celebration, that we're overflowing with praise of God and love to one another. And maybe you're listening online this morning, you're not a Christian. And for you, it's just the end of, end of one year, beginning of a new year, a date on the calendar, or some party. If you're lost, I'm remind you today to look at this new year as a reminder that God loved you personally. He loved you enough to send His Son to die for your sins. And you can be saved today. So in whatever way Christ is speaking to your heart today, As we come to a brand new year, if you've never received Christ, confess your faith in Him and pledge your life to Him. Let's stand together. Children of God, we have reason to celebrate. And every time you look at your calendar, remember, it's based on what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you today for your precious word. And thank you, Lord, for giving us reason to celebrate. Even in the midst of a wicked, cruel world, even at times in our life when hurt has come and heartache has come in our life, Help us to find a reason to celebrate Jesus Christ. I pray for anyone who's listening today, Lord, that are lost without Christ. I pray, Lord, you would speak to their hearts. And I pray especially for those who think they're all right, but they're deceiving themselves. 
God, may they see the truth and run to Jesus. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.